Doom 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 Welcome to Mindfulness of Doom, a weekly podcast about life, peaceful living, and existential dread. You're not lost. Everyone's faking it, and the purpose of life is um Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to this latest episode of the Mindfulness of Doom podcast. Mindfulness of Doom. Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Corey Hardacre. I am a meditation teacher, martial arts teacher, philosophy teacher, and all-round dude. You do teach a lot of things, don't you? I do teach lots of things. I am a professional pointer. I pointed things. I show people where the door of knowledge is and kick them through it. And I actually do the things that Corey points to. My name is Brian Lemmerman. I am a professor of mindfulness, and I also do mindful media production for businesses in the nonprofit and wellness sectors. You know, you know what yeah. else I do? What, what, what? A little bit of voice acting. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, I actually got a voice acting gig because of this podcast. Oh, that's, yes. I they remember did. that. They reached out to me a little while ago, uh, and that was super awesome. That project just finished up a few months ago. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Thank you very much. Um, it was quite wonderful for someone to point out and say, we like your voice. We want you to come and do some work for us. <laughs> And I'm sure they didn't they didn't hear the impression of your mother when they when they were like, "Oh, we must have him on the show." I think that's exactly the thing that got me uh, that gig was the impression of my mother. Does your mom listen to the show? I don't think she does, but if you would like to support Mindfulness of Doom, Mindfulness of Doom, you can reach out to us at patreon.com slash Mindfulness of Doom. Mindfulness of Doom! And give us a dollar or something a month. Uh, <laughs> and it helps. And we are having a great time making it, and we would love to have your support. Yeah, so thanks for that. We find ourselves in a quite an unusual place. Uh, listeners, if you're paying attention, I don't, I don't know if the audio is picking it up, but there's really loud music going on in the background. There's On the other side of this wall, there's a warehouse with a bunch of guys throwing things around and really loud music. You know, you know, Brian, the yeah. doom has hit mindfulness of doom. Mindfulness of doom. And both of us have relocated quite suddenly. Yes, we are ejecting ourselves from Miami proper, and we are going to other parts of the world. And it We've been um, kicked out of the studio. We're now recording live at the Miami... Miami Workers Center. Miami Workers Center. Wait, that's not that's not really a doomy place. Uh, so we are here. We have a very special guest on the episode. But before we get to him, the proverbial universe has decided that both of us need to leave this place as soon as possible. So I'm out of here on Tuesday, and Corey's out of here on Thursday. I'm going to Germany. Uh, which is very exciting because uh, it's a lot easier to live there. Everything is cheaper, and the beer tastes much, much better. And, Corey, where are you going? I'm actually moving up to the great white north of Maryland. Oh, wow. Is, yeah. it, is it that great and white? Uh, I don't know. I've only actually been to Maryland once before okay. uh, for a couple days. I got an opportunity up there, and then a bunch of crappy things happened to me in the last couple months. I complained all about this in the last podcast. You can hear about it all there. What's the podcast called? Oh, that one was uh, The Answer to Life, The Universe, and Everything. Episode yeah, episode 42. 42. Wow. Um, <laughs> it was actually the 42nd episode. That was actually, actually the 42nd, 42nd episode. episode. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So Corey's been complaining about his ejection but from Miami. It has been an, an incredible experience for me to practice my patience and practice my craft and the things that I teach other people how to do. For example, the other day, my car broke down. Yeah. And Sweet. I was stuck 22 miles from home. Okay. And I had to wait 14 hours for a tow truck. Oh, wow. Did you just, like, hang out on the highway for 14 hours? No. Luckily, a student of mine lived nearby, and she allowed me to graciously crash on her couch. Sarah is a fantastic supporter of our show. What's our show called? Mindfulness of Doom. Mindfulness of Doom! So, Sarah, thank you very much for supporting the Doom. You're welcome, (laughs) Corey. 
<laughs> and my butt on the couch. <laughs> but yeah, the, the tow truck took quite a while once it finally did arrive, and it couldn't actually pick up my truck. Right on. So I had to wait some more. Speaking as, of waiting, Corey. As frustrating as it was, it was an excellent opportunity for me to practice mindfulness and control. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic, and yeah. I loved it. What have you been up to? My brother's getting married this weekend. Ooh. Yeah, so I rented a car, and we're going up to Lake Worth uh, to go attend his wedding, and the wedding is all the way down in Homestead for some reason. So we get to drive two hours north and then three hours back down south and then like two hours north again because the rehearsal dinner is like up there and wait, the wedding is down here. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And then you're, you're the brunch driving? is up. Yeah. You are driving? I'm driving. You have a license? Of course. Everybody has. Well, Since right? when? Well, actually, so the last time that I actually drove, smartphones weren't a thing. So I've been really thinking about, like, I, I want to see what this whole texting and driving thing is Brian, there all are about. people alive who have not lived without smartphones. That's really crazy to think about. I had a car, like, back in 2013 and prior to that. And, like, before that, like, smartphones were kind of brand new. No, smartphones were out in, like, 2008. I didn't have one then. You didn't have one, but they were um, out. But yeah, texting and driving is, uh, it's its on my bucket list. It's something that I want to try. Maybe we can do it today after uh, we record the show. You know, it, this is illegal, right? I don't think it's illegal here because a it's lot It's totally of, illegal in Florida. In Miami, really? And completely illegal in wow, Florida. Wow, dude, everybody does it. I was thinking about it on the way here. Like, wow, if I actually did this, I don't imagine how I could ever focus on driving because driving by itself takes so much concentration that if I were to just take my eyes off the road or, like, remove my hands from the steering wheel to, like, I don't know, message somebody, hey, how's it going? I could, of doom would be over. Or it would be self-evident. Oh, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Please do not text and drive. And if you're a listener out there, please don't text and drive. Just call them. Yeah. Just or, or call not. people. Hands-free. Use yeah. your voice. And if you're listening to the podcast while you're driving, please don't text the podcast. Is that is that a thing you could do? Can you text podcasts? Whatever, just have your passenger scroll through the podcast. For no, you. but if you have a question for us, you can reach out to us at mindfulnessofdoom at gmail.com. Mindfulness of doom. So, Brian, I got some bad news for you. Uh, what's that, Corey? Uh, we've been yammering on about unimportant shit. For like we've, a solid eight minutes now. Yeah, we've been forgetting something really important. Uh, what's that? That we're all going to die. Oh. And there's not a lot of time left. Oh. So we need to get to the important stuff. Oh, that's true. Well, we have a guest on the podcast. We do have a guest on the podcast. Um, Today on the podcast, we have... Adrian Madrid. Executive Director of Smash, the struggle for Miami's affordable and sustainable housing. Smash, the, do, you still got, do you guys still go by Smash the Slumlords? Is that still a thing? That's uh, one of our campaigns. But oh, yeah. Okay, very good. And very then good. the name of the organization is now officially Smash. We were expecting to play Smash today, but uh, Adrian did not bring his Nintendo Switch, so we are not going to play Smash, but we still get to talk about Smash. We got to smash that record button. We're doing a podcast. Adrian, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Dude. You guys so much. It's so awesome to be here. Dude, your organization sounds so hardcore. What is going on? Before I get started talking about my organization, I'm recalling a little bit of the sound check that we did. I must sound like a really pretentious person to all of your listeners right now. I've been told that I have a very condescending quality to my voice, and it's amplified by about 20 times when people hear it in recorded form. So I apologize to anybody who thinks that I'm the most pretentious snob they've ever heard on your podcast. It sounds like you think you're a pretentious snob, well, and that you're you're like you're you're having this imposter syndrome right that, now. Yeah. How, how do you feel right? now <laughs> you're on a podcast mindfulness of doom, mindfulness let's, get, of doom. let's get to the important shit uh yeah maybe i do feel like a bit of an imposter sometimes and there's nothing wrong with that i just want people to know that i'm not nearly as pretentious as my voice 
would imply that I am. I'm totally as pretentious as my voice oh, makes okay. me sound. All right. I got to own it up. You know? I, and I didn't know that you were pretentious at all, but now that you've planted the seed, I'm just going to assume that from that now on that yeah. you're pretentious. Well, there we go. So I just completely defeated the thing that I set out to do, which yeah. was to prove that I'm not. Anyway, well, Adrian, I, I have been working alongside you at the Center for Social Change. Mm-hmm. We, we share a co-working desk. I've been hanging around you for like a year, and every time I have seen you, you have been working diligently, talking to people on the phone, being extremely polite, and I've watched you be there early in the morning, late at night. I've seen you going crazy with all of your projects, and then you always turn to me and you're like, Corey, how are you doing? And then you always give me the time of day, regardless of how busy you are, you stop what you're doing to check to make sure that the people around you are doing well. So as pretentious as you may sound, I don't think that you are. I think that you're a genuinely compassionate human being, and I th- otherwise, I wouldn't have had you on our show. Well, thank you. That really means a lot. I, I had no idea you felt that way about me, Corey. Oh, this is... this. I is... would only tell you this because Im leaving Miami. Yeah. Otherwise, it would, it would just get awkward every day after, you know? And so that's what you do. You just break people's hearts Lattice and then leave. No, no, no. Really deep, I, what, really I fast. Do, what I do you guys. is I endear myself to people. Uh-huh. And then I wait until the very last moment when I'm leaving before they tell them what I really think. <laughs> and what I really think is that... You're you sound amazing like and, and all fantastic. of the stupid men that I wanted to hook up with in my, in high school, and they never gave me the time of day. But um, you know, well, I'm giving you the time of day now. You are I mean next week. You are unfortunately, yeah. you're already betrothed, married. Betrothed yes. is a means to be married. To be betrothed married. is to get married. Okay. And I'm actually married now, and I you, love you, my husband. But betrothed yeah. sounds like it's past. So you're betrothed. Did did it. The betrothed did it? Yeah, yeah, there's two. A, a there's two it. eds at the end. Yeah, that's you a were good way betrothed. To put it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, the the uh, the past past tense. It's another tense in, in language that I just invented right now. You, did you invent it? Did it? I invented it. Did it? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like people who uh, pluralize words that are already plural, like yeah. sheep's sheep's. Yeah. Or tests. Tests. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I heard one of those yeah. recently. So, that just yeah. happened out there. It did. It did it. just yeah. happen. I caught it. Yeah. 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 Very good. So. Anyway, so who are you and why are you awesome? Well, who am I? I'm the executive director of Smash, and the reason that our name is so aggressive is because uh, we're fighting against something that's actually really evil. So if people think that we're aggressive, then that's totally fine with us. It really hasn't hindered our progress in any way whatsoever. But uh, we're not angry people. We just think that slum lords are really evil and they need to go. And so if there's anybody on your podcast that disagrees with that and they don't like us as a result, well, I, I really don't care. Okay. Well, I lived so. with the slumlord for the last six years. Mm-hmm. And why, yeah. did, why, why, <laughs> At why, first, did you, why didn't you help me? What was going on, man? This is the first time I'm hearing about it. So that give me, give me just that benefit <laughs> of the doubt at the very minimum. What I did was not tell you about it because I knew that you were busy helping people that actually needed to be helped. And I was fine. Okay. I was I was living with a slumlord, but I was okay with it. Well, hold on. <laughs> I need I need to interrupt because I've it, since since Adrian has started speaking four minutes ago, I've noticed two self criticisms come out. One, there was a defense of, of well, I, I I'm not as pretentious as I sound, mm-hmm. making the assumption that you are pretentious. And then the second one is well, we're not angry people. We just think all the slumlords need to go away. It's another assumption that we just everybody thinks that smash is composed of angry people well dude you're the one that started with smash sounds like really aggressive no i said hardcore it sounds really hard. okay that's fine i like yeah. smash uh there we go i, like I mean smash he doesn't too. like to smash yeah. yo well, everyone, everyone likes, likes to, smash. to smash that's right kind of, yeah that's kind of right? gross 
Why is that gross? You don't like playing Smash Brothers? Oh, I fucking love Smash Brothers, dude. Right? Right? Yeah. And you, don't, and you don't like the, you know, the struggle for Miami's affordable and sustainable house? Yeah, yeah, they're great. They're I great. like this. Yeah, they're a little I pretentious like and kind of angry, but they're great. <laughs> right. And then, I, of course, you know, everyone likes to smash, man. True, yeah. Just like yeah. everyone likes to bang. With, like, fireworks and stuff? I just sold my drum yesterday. I'm really sad that I'm selling it because I like to bang on it. Okay. I'm sorry, You don't Corey. like to bang? I'm, I'm, Who doesn't I'm, like to bang? I'm going to tuck over here now. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like you said that we weren't going to have a sexual conversation, but I feel like it's Whoa, 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 whoa. We yeah. were talking about drums and fireworks, and now you're bringing sex onto the podcast? Oh. Yeah, whoa, dude. We already told you that I this know. was a, a I, PG-13 uh, show. Plus you're married, and now like you're and here you, with a couple of very just handsome told me guys, and we are meditation teachers You just told me all. you're upset that I didn't hit on you before. I, I get it. I, I understand. Wait, did you're he, a very did, handsome man, by the way. Well, That's thank true, you. He is. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, but I respect um, your marriage too much to get involved. But you're absolutely right. We have not talked about sex even once in the show, and I apologize for being <laughs> such a lecherous, sinful person by bringing it up. Wait, are, was that the third defense? That do you assume that people think you're a lecherous, sinful person? <laughs> I see what you're doing. I see exactly what you're doing. <laughs> we're, we're, we have you. Hold on. We, uh-huh. we have never been so mean to one of our guests yeah. before, and I think we're putting you oh, through the ring. I don't think we're being mean. I think we're being a little. It's okay, Corey. He you know why? It's fun. okay. It's okay. You know why? Because I can take it. Adrian, we love you, and we're so glad to have you on the show. Okay, continue. Yeah. Please tell us about. <laughs> All of the amazing things you are doing, because you really are doing amazing things. Well, We're just teasing you. you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Um, so Smash is an organization that is tr- is trying to get rid of slumlords in Miami. And we're doing that by organizing the community to come together and discuss the problem and come up with different solutions about how it is that we can fix it. And one of the things that we are working on is a collectively and community controlled housing project on something called a community land trust. And that is right now being developed in a neighborhood called Liberty City in Miami. Right on. Wow. So, and you guys raised the money for that project very recently, as I understand. We did. Yeah. We did, with all of your help, by the way. So we really appreciate it. But yeah, we had a crowdfunding campaign in 2018, which ended in December. We raised $325,000. $325,000. That's more than the quarter million we were aiming for. What? We did a fundraiser? Yeah. Brian, where did all that money go? I spent it on this microphone. Did I just now find out about this? It's gold-plated, right? Like, you can see it. It's a, it's a golden microphone. I, I hope it is if you spend a quarter of a million dollars yeah, on it. Yeah, it's a golden microphone. Is that why your toilet in your office is gold-plated, too? I have an office. That's not your office? Well, <laughs> uh, this is awkward for whoever's toilet that is. <laughs> we need to have that removed immediately. Yeah, no, no wonder we were ejected from Miami. <laughs> yeah, we need to get out of here. Yeah. Um, so we've been watching the progress of your organization. I've been a part of watching Smash on and off for about since about 2015. And I remember the humble beginnings when you guys were running your Smash the Slumlords campaign and rallying the citizens of Liberty City and the surrounding areas, boosting the morale of this community and organizing these meetings on how it was that we were going to get this community land trust project off the ground. Yeah. And now you're at the point where you've got the land, you've got the money, and last I heard you were getting the engineers on board so you could actually build the plans that have been created already. Is that correct? That is correct. That's incredible. What's special about this housing project in particular as opposed to all other affordable housing projects? I think the biggest thing about it is the fact that it's community controlled. 
And that's really the the thing we need to have happen so that we can get rid of slumlords. Slumlords are really a symptom of the greater problem of gentrification, which is in of, of itself the bigger problem of affordable housing. Can you explain what a slumlord is for sure. those of us who are not familiar? So a slumlord is a bad landlord. It's the landlord that every single time you call them to fix the toilet or to fix, you know, whatever is breaking down in your apartment, they're like, yeah, totally, I'll get to it. And then a year goes by and they still haven't gotten to it. There are people that are living with slumlords all over Liberty City, all over Overtown, all over West Coconut Grove, all over Little Havana. And it's a big problem, especially for Miamians. And they re- they can get away with it. They can get away with it for much longer because it's just so expensive to live anywhere else. So if you're a poor person in Miami and you're looking for a place to live and you don't have that much to spend, your options are pretty much either to not have a place to live or to live under a slumlord. And they know this, and that's why they continue to abuse people. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. I was living with somebody who had not fixed the roof after the hurricane, uh, Hurricane Irma two years ago, and the roof was never fixed to the point where my ceiling finally collapsed in one of the bedrooms. And your roommate almost died. She didn't almost die. She almost... It could have landed on top of her, but it wasn't like a... It's not like the whole ceiling came down. It was like a, you know, three square foot square. Oh, of she roof. almost got slightly scratched in the face. So ceiling fell on her or around her? We asked the her to move her bed so we could look at the ceiling that day. And that night it collapsed. And if we had not told her that to move her bed, it's possible that she could have been hurt by it slightly scratched in the face this is not uncommon by the way because we've heard of other instances where ceiling has actually fallen and hit children while they're sleeping sending them to the hospital yeah give us an example of a property that you've seen and and how bad it can get or what's a what's a regular example of something that you work with usually when people ask me that question i show them a video because Pictures in this case really speak much, much louder than words. But, right. if but we I are can, on a podcast. I so. know. The the medium is not really allowing us to do that. So We can I, post the pictures to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash mindfulness of doom. And yeah. you can check it out. You can see some of these pictures. But to visually describe at least some of the worst things that I've seen, roaches like you have never imagined before. I mean, you see one or two roaches here and there, and you're already freaking out, right? I know I do. I have gone into apartments where the roach problem was so outrageous that there would literally be piles of carcasses of roaches in every single corner that were maybe like one or two feet high. Like mountains of dead like roaches. Like mountains of dead this roaches. This is reminding yes. me of that old MTV movie from the early 90s, Joe's Apartment. Yes. Where all the cockroaches are sentient and they help this dude get a girlfriend oh that is a horror story (laughs) for sure no these cockroaches were just there to make people's lives miserable and the thing that was even worse to witness was like the shell shock that these residents have been through because imagine having so many roaches that you don't even care at this point if they're crawling all over you if they're in your food if you like get them on things that you want to keep clean like they're just like literally so so ubiquitous to your space that it's like air. <laughs> and so and this is this is the way a lot of people are living right now. So the the roach problem definitely for sure. The rat problem also a big problem. We've seen some big rats. Rats as big as small dogs. Mold, especially black mold, which is way beyond regular mold. Black mold essentially decays the walls from the inside. So there's no way that you can like fabuloso 
over black mold and then have it go away. Right, and black mold spores yeah. are the the most toxic kind right. of mold spores. So people are constantly bringing that in. So many people get sick. So many people have acquired like very chronic conditions just from living in these apartments. Liver diseases, things that require dialysis, uh, respiratory problems, bronchitis. We had a chair of our board before our current board chair. And I think you knew her. Uh, Sharice Taylor, did you ever meet her? Yep. Well, she died because of the kinds of conditions that her slumlord was forcing her to live in. Her and her seven children and her 11 grandchildren who all shared a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment that was maybe, generously speaking, 300 square feet total. It was bad. It was very bad. Welcome to Miami, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. So the irony of something like this, you would think like most people think of Miami, they think about, you know, the wealthier coming here, they're investing, there's like it's a real estate boom, you come here and you party and there's affluence left and right, you think of Lamborghinis, Ferraris, and then in the very same city, not even on the outskirts of the city, but in the city of Miami, in the dead center, this is what's taking place and it's behind closed doors and there are neighborhoods that you can drive through and you get the sense that something is not quite right here. That's what Adrian's been working on. Um, and it's very important that we bring this issue to the forefront because you think about all of the things that in your daily life, if you don't have an order, it makes things particularly challenging to just get by. If housing, if the roof over your head is one of those things that you are challenged with, like forget clean underwear, Right, Like if your roof is falling apart or if your house is full of mountains of dead roaches and it doesn't matter how fast you sweep them, they just keep coming, it would be particularly difficult to, I don't know, um, focus on a job or if you're a child getting good grades in school or um, eating well or any of the other many things that a human being would need to do to just live a healthy and productive life as a member of society or wellness or mindfulness for that matter right yeah well no amount of mindfulness is going to make this kind of problem go away for the tenant is this a problem with gentrification is it is it when you know rich people come into a poor neighborhood and start pushing them out and then the the lots that are owned by these poor people you know, they just allow them to degrade so much until they, they push them out that way? Or, or is it – because like you mentioned Liberty City. You mentioned Overtown. Like these these are traditional – these are historic neighborhoods in Miami that used to be very thriving. But then they built I-95 right through the middle of Overtown. Nobody wants to live under a freeway. So it got worse. And the area is kind of – went downhill for quite a while. But now it seems to be kind of coming up again. It seems to be there's a lot of a lot more development nearby that's kind of having a carry-on effect. Yeah, I mean, so how, how is this? How, I mean, are these things related? So I think you have to look at all of these different things in context. So what you're describing, which is essentially like the urban decay um, that has happened for many decades, is a direct result of the racist institution of redlining and the fact that for so many years during segregation, black people basically could not get loans to be able to purchase homes or renovate them or do anything like that. And then lenders would have this practice of literally outlining in red the different areas where they wouldn't give loans to. So even if they didn't have a policy that explicitly said things like, we don't give loans to black people, they would basically say, if you're trying to get a loan for a house or to start a business in any one of these outlined in red areas, then we're, we're just automatically not going to give them out because we consider those areas to be very 
very high risk, quote unquote. You know, you look at those maps that they were redlining or outlining in red, and all of these different areas are what we know today to be historically black neighborhoods. Right, and at the that time this very practice poor. was going on, mm-hmm. those neighborhoods were actually quite well and thriving. Correct. And so these these policies were not really policies, but a product of the culture at the time in that industry. When historically are we speaking? Like, what, is this still going on, or is this just something that happened in the in the recent history and contemporary history? Are so, we going back to like the 1800s? So, so redlining is technically illegal. It became illegal because of the Community Reinvestment Act of 1977, which basically stipulated that this practice was no longer allowed. And they started a whole bunch of databases to make sure that the practices, even if the policy wasn't in place, that the practices wouldn't continue. So among that is a database called the Home Mortgage Database, which actually keeps track of the mortgages that are given out by banks by race and by ethnicity so that we can keep track about each bank's lending practices. If they're branching into low-income areas, if they're actually giving loans to those low-income people, and you know, generally speaking, how all that breaks down. So all of these different tools are now in place to essentially prevent that from happening. But still, the effects are being felt from from the fact that they were in place for such a long time. This was going back as far as, if I remember correctly, uh, the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that it began to take its toll on the historically black neighborhoods. Um, and then the, those neighborhoods became in such decay that the highway authorities, when uh, in the 1950s, when the major freeways were being built, uh, those neighborhoods were being targeted for demolition or for highway pass-throughs because they were the lowest real estate value. Mm-hmm. And it was another way to eat at the the thriving nature of those communities. So as soon as you put a highway, like you said, Corey, you put a highway right through the main street of Overtown, the neighborhood withers away and dies. Exactly, exactly. So so that's what caused urban decay, um, is the fact that there was this significant lack of investment in these neighborhoods. Then you had white flight. People would move out from the urban core, and then major cities, as a result, have almost died. Detroit is a very good example of that. Mm-hmm. And then at some point... People who were primarily white who moved to the suburbs decided they hated traffic and they wanted to move back into the center of the city. And so now we have, instead of urban decay, we have something called urban renewal. And now what that's doing is it's creating a lot of development in the urban core. And that includes a lot of these neighborhoods that are primarily black. And so these um, areas are being redeveloped and the rents are being raised by a significant amount. And so now people who maybe weren't living in slum, but maybe had an okay place to live because the overall area was still very affordable. Now those people are losing their homes and they're being forced to live in slum. And so the as we go on, fewer and fewer options become available to low-income people until basically you're either forced to live in slum or you're forced to live on the street. One of the primary issues is much of the land in these neighborhoods that people are currently living in is owned by other people, slumlords as one, but wealthy investors, people who buy up cheap real estate. And then when it's time for the next boom, they build a high rise or they build something that is, in essence, unaffordable for the residents that are currently living there. And so nobody's technically getting pushed out, but it's just a matter of, well, the Places that would have fit in your budget no longer exist in the area that your family has grown up in for generations. And so where do you go after that? Right. Right. And long story short, this is why we need to destroy capitalism and eat the rich. Oh. You heard it here first, folks. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Destroy capitalism. Eat the rich. Mindfulness of doom. Mindfulness of doom. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm hoping very much for not not the 
eating of the rich because cannibalism is bad, okay? But uh, destroying capitalism, I'm not so opposed to it over the long term because I, I'm hoping for Star Trek. Uh, I'm hoping for that time period when we, you know, we don't have money anymore because I think that money is the root of all evil. And, um, and it is in so many ways. So the no, primary not, context in this in this country is capitalism, right? So, yes, it would be awesome. No, if we could the just... primary context of this country is democracy. But is it representational democracy, Brian? I don't I don't remember democracy ever being a part of my life here in the U.S. Have you ever voted? Yeah, I voted, but that then doesn't you, mean we democracy. have a democracy. We do have a democracy. We have a representational democracy. Very fascinating. So, so you mean when the majority of the people... My poli-sci in, degree is finally kicking in. Yeah, you mean I know, when right? the majority of the people in a state vote for a particular candidate, that that candidate then gets the, the vote? What, what I'm trying to say is that I'm very excited to have you on the podcast oh, well, I'm because glad. normally I'm the one who's outnumbered as far as my opinions about money go. <laughs> and, you know, they, it, Brian and them gang up on me because I don't like money. And now we get to gang up on Brian because he likes money. Well, there we go. Brian, why do you like money so much? Brian, why do you like evil? Do you, yeah, why do you for support real. Satan? Why are you such a fascist? Are you, are you Satan 2020? Yeah. I, I don't recall... Yes, Dang. you heard it here first, folks. Yes, Brian, Brian Lemmerman is fascist Ooh. in excess. <laughs> I, I don't recall saying that I like money. Uh, so uh, I want to rewind, though. So our economic context in this country is is capitalism. And yes, I agree. Like, it would be great to be able to dismantle that system. And that probably will happen at some point down in the future. What I find so fascinating about your project is that you guys have managed to utilize that very same system to take back land from otherwise wealthy developers or the municipality that has been controlling it and would have otherwise sold it to somebody who would Mm -hmm. be able to afford to buy and then build it up. Correct. Totally. Yeah. So this, this concept of a community land trust, I've always found really inspiring because if you look at neighborhoods where the majority of residents are renting, they have absolutely no say in what happens on the land. They are simply paying month to month the rent that is due. And when it comes to property maintenance or beautification or just general neighborliness, that aspect of human culture tends to fall by the wayside and it's sort of like, well, I'm just renting this place, so I don't care. It's temporary. And then life becomes temporary. But as soon as somebody has ownership of, and we'll use ownership as a very figurative thing, nobody can really own land. But as soon as there's a ownership I mean, aspect- In this country, you can. Well, I mean- but like the, 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 the concept of ownership is we, really yeah. constructed because in this country, what is respected is whether or not you have like the commodified value of the land in your control. And re- in reality, people no, people have had works, relationships to place and land for much longer than money ever came into existence. And we don't honor any of that nowadays. And that's part of the reason why we have a society that's entirely built on colonialism and mass genocide in order to take control of large pieces of land and being able to use it for capitalist excess. But, you know, beyond that, getting more specific to this particular conversation... The Community Land Trust is a way for us to now put land, which used to be primarily a form of private ownership 
and private wealth creation back into the community's control for communal wealth creation and communal empowerment. And so that's why this project is so important because, yeah, there's been other affordable housing projects. It's not a new concept to build affordable housing. It's also not a new concept to take action against slumlords. But when we replace slumlords, not with services, but specifically with the tools for people to liberate themselves and remain liberated for as long as they have control of the land, now you've not just serve the community, you have transformed that entire community. Yeah, with a sense of ownership, it, it, it shifts one's entire way of being. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a certain confidence that comes that otherwise would have taken, I don't know, years of mindfulness practice to build internally. But suddenly, well, now I have control over my, it's not necessarily control over my environment, but you have power in where you live. It, um, it, it's almost going back to the way that humans lived when we had when we were living in tribes. So, like a people are of the land. Now we're creating communities that are of their own land, mm-hmm. um, which which takes it a step further than um, somebody like a, a single individual owning a piece of property and just using it for whatever they want. Exactly. Exactly. Adrian, I, I really agree with you in your mission and what you're doing. I think it's really important to get the people living on the land to have ownership and have some stake in what's going on and have the community be involved. Because particularly in Miami, we have so many rich outside investors, people from other countries who are buying up all the, the good land and then just gouging people with prices. And it's like a, it's a city only for the rich. Yep. When there's so many people here that don't get the representation of the ownership of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a great podcast out there that I want to throw a shout out to. It's called The Story of Miami. It's a, a friend of mine and his podcast partner are working on that. And it's a history podcast about Miami. Oh. And they just finished season one. I've thrown, a, I've thrown an invite their way. Maybe we can get them on the show. Oh, I'd love to hear it too. Yeah, yeah for sure. it's great. It's actually really good. If you like history and you're interested in local Miami history, check out The Story of Miami podcast. Yes, going to uh, download it right now. They they talk about you know the the you know the Indian Wars and they talk about the Florida War and they talk about like there's a whole bunch of different they started way back in the day mm-hmm. and they're working forward but one of the things I'm interested for them to get to is this new modern period of the ownership from so many outside rich people and then the locals not being able to have c- community control right. and not and getting pushed out and getting pushed out this the gentrification of Miami is a big deal because I think that Miami could be such a great 21st century city it can but but it we, needs more people who are interested in protecting the communities than it does the rich people trying to line their pockets more people like the both of you but now gentrification has forced you to have to find another place to live no no if I, you really I'm, think about it i'm, I'm not leaving yeah. because of gentrification you are though i'm leaving no no you for are love you are because you <laughs> mentioned it yourself you're moving to germany because it's the, an easier place to oh, live that's true. it is it's much cheaper it is much cheaper and i can't believe that germany yeah. of all the places is cheaper to live in than the united yeah, states groceries are like a quarter the price like I went into Publix uh-huh. the other day and apples were like four bucks a piece. A freaking apple was four dollars, dude. Like a, like a grungy looking outrageous. like rotting apple. Yeah. Yeah. And then in Germany, it's a reasonably priced apple, I'm it's sure. It's like 50 cents. Right. Yeah. Um, so you, you might have been looking at the bag of apples. No. For $4.99. No, man. They, they're these massive, shiny looking apples. And this, it's it says four ninety nine well, a pound, you got and nothing. you put it on the scale, you got and the thing is almost Japan, a pound. Man. Because you go in there and buy a melon in Japan, you can spend upwards of a hundred dollars a melon. Is it made out of 
bluefin tuna? No, it's just a melon. Well, but they're really particular about their melons. We could probably make comparisons all day about which place has the most outrageously priced produce. Wait, is it the kind of is it the kind of melon that the Yoshi's get really happy when they eat them? You know those melons? I think that the Yoshi's eat apples. Well, if it depends I on remember the color. Super Mario World it correctly. It depends on the color. If I remember Super Mario World correctly, they he ate apples that were growing on every single tree, yeah, regardless yeah, yeah. of the so, genealogy. Yeah. To uh, this, this is a great turning point for us to yeah. me to ask you about the next thing on our podcast. Sure. But I did want to throw in one little thing before we we change topics here is that I did get gentrified out of Miami. My you landlord, did? yeah, uh, not just the ceiling collapse, but the landlord increased rent. From twenty two hundred dollars a month, which is a which is already house. outrageous. Well, yeah. not in South Miami. South Miami is a particularly nice area, and all of the air, all of the houses on that street are being rented for three thousand to thirty six hundred dollars a month for three bedrooms, which is a ridiculous amount of money. That is, but outrageous. then my landlord increased my rent from twenty two hundred dollars to three thousand dollars. That's even more outrageous. It's an eight hundred dollar increase with a hole in the ceiling, well, a hole in the that. roof. A leak in the roof and the water pipes burst under the house. My water bill right now is $550. And he's not paying for it. He's supposed to be fixing it and then the water company will reimburse me. We'll, we'll cut that bill. Well, but that's he, good. He only has a 7% increase in rent. He only has another 10 days to do it. And if he doesn't do it, I have to take him to small claims court. Well, because which, for, which is really, in essence, a large claim. But look, this is exactly the kind of thing that happens all the time. And then people get frustrated. Good people, the kind that have a lot to contribute to the local economy, the local talent pool. And then they're forced to move because they just can't afford to live here. So on that note yeah. of... Um you know, people having to move and you're actually doing something about it. Right. So one of the things that you do is help to help raise money for this cause Mm -hmm. is you actually run smash video game tournaments. I do. Yeah. The the video game Super Smash Brothers by Nintendo is uh, for those of you who don't know who aren't in the gaming community. What are you doing with your lives? They're living their lives. <laughs> I, I, you said it, not me, but yeah. I was totally thinking it. Yeah, uh, it is. It is a competitive video game where people play different Nintendo characters and try to smash each other out of the ring, and it's it's very fun. Very it's, fun. It's super fun. Uh, uh, I've at least I put in my ten thousand hours for sure. Right. So, Adrian, you you actually run these tournaments to help raise money for we Smash. do. We do. We used to do a, just a straight up tournament in which we would charge people an entry fee. And then have that entry fee go to pay for the tournament, obviously, and then whatever is left over would go to support the organization. Since then, we've realized that that's not really a sustainable business model. Gamers, for as wonderful the people as they are, are really cheap people. And I'm sorry if there are any gamers on the podcast right now that don't consider themselves There's to be a lot. cheap. But a lot of gamers. Yeah. They complain whenever we charge an entry fee over $5. If you look at the budget of what it takes to run a tournament, especially a large-scale one, nothing can operate if you're only collecting $5 per person. Well, but, let them complain. I mean, you're raising money for charity. If they're not interested in helping out charity, then that's not for them. That's true. That's true. But then what we realized is that if we were actually going to make this work and we wanted to do these more of these events as a way to actually generate money for the cause, we had to basically make that a different kind of a business. And so... The Smash tournaments now happen under uh, another member of the Smash the Slumlords campaign called Worlds. Worlds stands for Work and Organization Resource Location developed by Smash the Slumlords. And it's a it's a, the first worker-owned cooperative business in 
possibly in all of Miami, but certainly the first one that emphasizes video game events as its primary business. This is the way that we're going to build the economy of the future is by putting together these kinds of cooperative businesses that really empower people to be a part of it and build collective wealth. And then also that makes sure that not one person is the one recipient of all of the, the benefits of the business, right? And so the fact that we're doing this now with a, with a video game thing that's also supporting a, a community organization, that has really turned into something that we're now able to make a little bit more money from. Because in addition for, to the fact that we do the tournaments, we also um, contract ourselves out so that we can organize other events. So we provide video game equipment to those events, chairs, tables, all these different things. And, and people pay us to do that. And, and now it's the community of members, mostly from Opelok and Liberty City that we've put together, that is reaping the benefits of that economic, um, of, of that economic power. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really great. Um, I was actually there at one of your uh, Smash tournaments mm-hmm. because I was in the Center for Social Change during one of the days of the tournaments and I was actually editing this podcast. Mindfulness of Doom! Uh, and then all of a sudden all these gamers started coming in and they started, you know, bringing up chairs and bringing up TVs and controllers. Everybody's practicing and preparing. Not and, just and any TVs, CRT televisions. Yeah. Like for the old GameCube version of Smash Brothers, the Melee that was going on, a whole table full of CRTs. Yeah, some of them. There was a lot of flat screens too. But the point I was trying to get to is that I was very excited by it because I, I wanted to participate, but at the same time I had to get the podcast done. I was busy that day. But I was just happy to just watch the environment. It was really successful. And I loved watching everybody have a lot of fun and they were playing all these games. You know, I'm a gamer. Mm-hmm. I have been collecting video games since the year of our Lord Nintendo, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, and uh, I've been collecting video games this whole time. I don't play nearly as much at all. I normally I just like to collect. But I gotta say something about my video game, my video game crew. Listen, guys, you gotta shower. You got <laughs> to shower. You can't show up to a Smash tournament and you walk by my table and I went whoa. And I had to actually get up and leave and move to another room because there was one dude there who just hadn't bathed and and i and i hate to propagate this this image because i'm a gamer and because mm-hmm. i know there's plenty of gamers out there who aren't like that but, but there's there a are few some. of you out there enough there are enough there's to an, fill the the odors of the room for yeah. sure that yeah. that it was just like all right all right buddy um you know you, you smell know, like death i've been to a couple comic <laughs> comic book stores some gaming stores that had a, a really great vibe and then some days you go in it was just a little bit musky and it's like all right you guys have a hobby that's uh, at home, and you don't have to bathe, and you don't have to shower. But when you come out in public, <laughs> make sure you're uh, I have, water and soap. Soap is very important. Yes. I have a friend who goes to professional tournaments all over the country, and he got so upset by the fact that every single time he went to these tournaments, he basically had to wear like a gas mask. Um, he started bringing around with him a bottle of Febreze, and he ha- was... <laughs> unflinching he was unflinching as soon as he detected a whiff he would just febreze people on the spot and like people just understood like they because no one got offended and nobody because they everybody else was like clapping because they know <laughs> how bad the smell is from certain people and like these are the kinds of things that just really ruin it for everybody else let's be real y'all Wait, there we- are no women there are no women who do this. It's just the guys. Yeah. Are we so. are we gentrifying the video game community by telling people who are rich enough to afford showers we're pushing out those that don't? 
Are, you know, are we doing the very let's thing? Let's talk about the economics of this. Let's talk about the economics of this. These conferences, a... these tournaments, you have to pay for I a mean, flight. My water bill is five hundred fifty dollars. Sure. I can't afford showers right now. Okay, I understand, but you also smell great. Bro. Let me tell you. That's true. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And his beard so, is very soft. Yes, it is. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so Wait, how do you know? You have. <laughs> Certain people, first of all, no comment. If people ever get the honor of actually looking at your beard in person, they will realize, yes, go on, that it is very well kept. And you know, a lot of people have like these scraggly looking beards with like just hairs going all over the place. But like this one, this man clearly puts some conditioner or something in the pleasure of sharing a microphone with him. Exactly, exactly. You should try this. On top of that, you clearly comb your beard. I do. You yeah. do. It's do. and it shows like the amount and of care and effort shampoo, and condition, conditioner, yeah. and especially conditioner. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I, this is this is a, a secret uh-huh. out there. I, I am not a very hirsute man. Uh, I'm not extremely hairy. I've I have my hair is all centrally located. And my arms and legs are almost hairless. But everything else oh, is wow. kind of yeah. I never noticed that. But, that. but yeah, Carrie, the, the, but, but the, have, Corey, the big question is: Do the curtains match the drapes? No, because I have three <laughs> types of, of body hair color. Oh, really? Yeah. If you okay. look closely at my beard, there's actually three colors in it. Okay. And my, my head hair and stuff. Yeah. is different from my face hair. But, uh, He's like but, a but the, trick is, the trick is, gentlemen, mm-hmm. if you have a hirsute chest of hair, if you condition your chest. Really? You after condition you, the after chest? You sh- after you... Do your body wash, your yeah, scrub yeah. with soap, whatever, you, however you choose to do it. Condition the chest hair. Because uh-huh. if you've got a partner, whether they be a man friend or a lady friend, mm-hmm. and they rest their head on your chest, you want that chest carpet to be fluffy and soft you and do. smooth. You do. And then they just don't want to get up anymore. Yeah. And and then the cuddles last much longer. Mm-hmm. This this mm-hmm. is my this is my secret technique. Well, I'm really glad you put so much thought and intentionality into this for the rest of us that are listening because now we know exactly what to do and what not to do. I have a lot of uh, body care techniques. Mm-hmm. To I'm I'm a teacher of the body, the spirit, and mm-hmm. the mind. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, guys, Con- conditioning your chest ladies, is one third of the battle. Yeah. The other half is red and blue lasers. Well, I'm and sure. And the other part is knowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, <G>. Joe. <laughs> so, um, so going back to the topic of being really mean to the gaming crowd that are listening to this podcast. Um, look, y'all, I think we do this in in just in good faith and in jest. But in seriousness, like we as a gamer community need to be known for things other than Gamergate and not showering and things like what we're doing with the Smash tournaments is a good step in that direction. But I encourage everyone to find ways to make it so that their hobby also benefits their community. And there are lots of examples of how to do that. I don't think pride is a virtue. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure it's one of the seven deadly sins. But have enough pride. Yeah. To walk around with your shoulders back and your armpits scrubbed. There we go. Yeah. I think that's everything's a, a balance. A minimum level of pride that everyone can strive to, regardless of how many showers you can afford. And if not pride, at least some shame. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what people need more than anything you else. You know, yeah. this, I would like to talk about this since this is, I just moved out of this house and I want to throw a shout out to some very special people. What I have done for the last seven years is be a host of a fantastic living place. Now, and I know I've complained about the condition of the house, but the people who lived in that house 
or some of the most special people that I've ever met in my life. And I had a very strict roommate selection policy. You had to audition to live in my house. The Craigslist ad for rooms in my house was three pages long. That's intense. And yeah. you had to write a, a letter of intent of you know who you are and why are you why you were awesome and you, we didn't we didn't discriminate against age or sex or religion or working environment or anything we had several we had people in there who were 20 years older than us or 20 years younger than us anybody was welcome as long as they were working towards awesomeness as long as they were working towards making themselves a better person and so you know living with shitty roommates is really terrible yeah but, don't do that so when you when you're a little bit more picky about who you live with to make sure that you're on the same page, to make sure that you guys are going to vibe with each other, that you're the same level of cleanliness and that you're this, you know, you, that you are sharing love and compassion. In the six years that I lived in that house, I think I lived with, with 15 different people. Some people came and they lived for a couple months. Some people came and lived for a couple years. And I wish I had the whole list of names that I could shout out on the podcast and tell you guys how much I love you and how much you altered my life. And I hope that living in that house was something incredibly special for you because it was for me. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And I'm really sad to leave Miami because that kind of community that was built around that house and the neighborhood and and Brian you as well doing running tea at the cottage and your community of people and when our two communities met it was like two galaxies merging together mm. into one massive super cluster mm. of awesomeness mm. and it's really bittersweet mm. for me to leave Miami and leave that community but I know that it's in good hands and I know that like there's a lot of good mindful people here in Miami and that I just wanted to thank all of you and tell you that I love you Oh, we love you too, Corey. Corey. Thank you so much. Corey, thanks for being a part of the Miami community. And, and I wish that I could also say that as somebody who's staying here, but as somebody who is also leaving, I'm glad that you got to make an impression here and form the community that you made. And I'm glad that I got to do the same. And we get to leave this place in Adrian's hands, who's clearly making Miami a better place. Oh, well, that's very generous. But thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks, man. Adrian. Do you guys have any projects coming up? Any new video game tournaments? Any new fundraisers? Yeah. What's if, coming down the pipeline? If folks are into video gaming, we're doing a tournament at the Center for Social Change on Saturday, March 30th. And folks are more than welcome to come to that. On top of that, if you are one of those people that's concerned with the rent being too high... Well, we have just the thing for you. We have a meeting called The Rent is Too Damn High, and it's coming up this Thursday, uh, March 28th, and it's going to be from 6 to 8 p.m. at the site of our new affordable housing project. And if you want more information about any of this, you can just go to our website, smash.miami. And I just have to ask you, you're moving and yep. you're moving. Yes. Are, is this podcast going to continue after you're gone? Mindfulness of Doom will continue as a podcast. Mindfulness of Doom. We will be recording remotely probably using Zoom or Zencaster or something like that. Um, but yeah, we can have our recordings through video calls with each other and with our guests. Got the equipment still to do it. And um, it actually makes not fighting Miami traffic to get places to record episodes uh, a thing of the past. Well, good. It does mean that we will not be in the same proximity with each other, which is going to be a little bit more than a little bit. Just, just It's going to be terrible. It is, because we're not going to get to appreciate your beard in person. Right. So what I've done is, uh, what Corey and I have done is we have trimmed uh, just a little bit off of his beard so that we can put it into a Petri dish and grow more of it so that I can have an artificial Corey beard sitting next to me whenever I do a podcast episode. This is frightening. Uh, Well, I didn't tell you until now, so I could understand why you look 
the way you look right now. Okay, to move this awkwardness on, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have any real sponsors on the show. Mindfulness of Doom. Not yet, not yet. Does not have any real sponsors. If you are interested in sponsoring our show, we have 6,500 listeners Woo! all over the planet. <laughs> mostly in South Florida area, but all over. We've got several different countries from people that yeah. we had no idea that were listening to us. But if you are interested in getting your product or service out there, please reach out to us at mindfulnessofdoom at gmail.com. Mindfulness of Doom. So we don't have any real sponsors on the show, but we do have some real fake sponsors. This week's episode of Mindfulness of Doom is brought to you by Redlining. That's right, Redlining. It's just like map making, but for racists. This episode of Mindfulness of Doom is brought to you by Fighting Evil. We're not angry people, but everybody else has to go. And lastly, this episode of Mindfulness of Doom is brought to you by Gamers. Yes, that's right, Gamers. <laughs> Just kidding. They couldn't afford the sponsorship. It's <laughs> the best one by far. That's oh God, so good. That's so terrible. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody, that's it for this week's episode of Mindfulness of Doom. Mindfulness of Doom. Mindfulness of Doom. And we'll see you next week. We will see you next week. We invite you to like, subscribe, and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever. Have suggestions, music, or artwork for the show? Want to sponsor our podcast? Find our contact page and links to the items we talked about in this episode at www.mindfulnessofdoom.com. Become a supporter of our podcast at patreon.com slash mindfulnessofdoom and get access to exclusive content that's not on the show. This podcast is recorded in Miami, Florida. It is written, recorded, and edited by Brian Lemmerman and Corey Hardacre. Our music is provided by Pallet Town and Suitcase Music. They can be found at soundcloud.com slash town and at suitcasemusic.bandcamp.com. All poorly thought out opinions are ours. Nothing you hear in this podcast should be construed as professional medical advice. Go see a therapist, all of you. Hey, has anybody come on the show and talked about Invader Zim? No. Nobody has brought up so. Invader Zim. Invader Zim is amazing. And the the song that Gurr sings all the time, the Doom song. I think Rosemary brought that up. Uh, she may have. Yeah. But, okay. But can you I don't know what this is. The, well, the Doom song is really easy. It's just Doom 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 And it just goes on like that for like for hours. Doom 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 doom